blessings to you and greetings in the name of Christ. Title for the message today is, How Do You Get Along With Others? And the text may seem a bit strange at first. It's taken from Matthew 5, verse 21 and following. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old times, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. And probably I'll be looking more at the next verse than that one. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. You may be wondering what led me to look at these verses in this chapter. And part of it is because I was asked to write an article about these verses, so I thought I could combine some study. As I was looking here at, at chapter 5 and, and these, uh, you know, ye have been heard, but I say unto you, I probably have kind of a preconceived idea about these verses and you know I believe that I believe in the concept of two kingdoms I believe that Jesus was establishing what today is relevant for us in how we live Um, but looking just briefly at these ye have heard verses I noticed as I was doing that that there were actually maybe two categories here. And one is uh, things that Jesus affirmed and enhanced. And the other category is some that he changed and said, don't do this anymore, do it differently. And we'll just go over it briefly. You know, the one I I just read, thou shalt not kill. And the idea of enhancing that to not be angry with your brother. Okay, well, obviously the that thou shalt not kill still stands. In verse 27, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. And again, that's relevant for us. But it goes beyond that. And then in verse 31. Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, okay, 
here's one that I believe Jesus changed. And in verse 33, Again ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oath. But I say unto you, swear not at all. Okay, so again, one that was changed. You know, don't just make sure you swear properly, but don't swear at all. In verse 38, ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I believe that's one that Jesus changed. I believe in our era, we're expected to live differently than that. And then the last one in verse 43 Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Well, obviously we are still to love our neighbor. But the hating the enemy was ruled out. So going back to the text verses, the comment there is, You know, if you do this, you're in danger of judgment. And what is judgment? I personally think it's referring to God's judgment. Although it's also true that, at least in our nation, we're in danger of judgment from the courts. 1 Peter 4, 17 says, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begins at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? I think it's referring to God's evaluation of our lives. And also in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So as we look at this, I think this is talking about judgment from God. Then looking at verse um, 22, being angry with his brother without a cause. And, you know, some people say that King James influenced this idea of the phrase without a clause. Uh, Some versions have it in and some versions don't. And the versions that I looked up, the NIV, the ESV, the Amplified, none of those have that phrase there. But they all make reference in a footnote that it is in some manuscripts. So, I 
personally think that we're more concerned about the anger than the cause. Look at the rest of the verse. What does reka mean? According to Strong's, it means empty or worthless. And fool, dull or stupid, blockhead. As a teacher, articles about people's background and what caused them to be the way they are, uh, I always find interesting. And a number of weeks ago, before my surgery, our, my brother-in-law, Marvin, gave us a number of old guideposts. And probably most of you are familiar with guideposts. And the articles you know, kind of follow a similar pattern almost all of them and but you know I thought about that when I was when I read this verse you know the number of stories that are out there about people that you know as a child somebody in their life said you'll never amount to anything you know and how that did that affect them you know obviously by God's grace there are ways of Overcoming that, you know, ways of not believing Satan's lies. But I had to think of that as I read this verse. And I also had to think of uh, Ephesians 4, where it talks to fathers, you know, provoke not your children to anger. And certainly one of the ways of doing that is to display anger. I think in our Sunday school class, we noticed the importance of godly parents and their influence. Just a few more verses about anger. Psalm 37, 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. In Proverbs 16.32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. And from James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, the verse here says, whoever is angry with his brother. And when I think of brother, I usually think of the church. Am I ever angry with someone in the church? Am I relieved when someone leaves? You know, I 
thinking back a number of years, 10, 15 years, you know, and being deacon when a number of young families left, you know, I, I just ha- have to be honest, I had to examine my attitudes. You know. What were my attitudes? What are my attitudes? Do I still harbor bad feelings? Do I ever think of leaving? Why? Do you ever look around after church and hmm, okay, so that brother or that sister is in the center aisle. I think I'll go out the side aisle. Do you ever do that? I don't think I do it often, but I'll have to admit I've done it. In the church, like with any organization, there are group decisions to be made. And obviously right now we're thinking about the standards and our agreement. We're also thinking about our building needs. And how are those things affecting relationships? How are we getting along with each other? How does not being angry with my brother fit into making those decisions well? What's the opposite of being angry with someone? Here's a question that you can think about. Later in the message at the conclusion, I'll have another question for you. But if you think about it, you may want to answer this question for me as you leave the auditorium. So what is the opposite of being angry with someone? Is it passive indifference? Is that the opposite of being angry? Or is it loving, having positive interaction, talking about our differences, and being willing to give and take so that we can come to a a consensus or an agreement. Now, brother would also refer to family relationships, relationships in the home. I want to read some verses, and they're all familiar verses. And as I read, I want you to think about how you treated your spouse this morning or yesterday. Or what about your children or your parents or your little sister or your big brother? So now, somebody tell me, what are you supposed to do as I read these verses? And okay, think. Did you know thinking can be hard work? 
think. Thinking is active participation. And after I read each of these verses, I'm going to pause for a whole minute. Now, when you're thinking, a minute's a long time because you can think a lot of things in a minute. But I'm going to read each verse and pause a whole minute for you to think, how does this verse apply to me? How am I doing? Did I do okay this past week? What about what I'm thinking about doing this coming week? How does that affect this? Okay, so here's the first verse. It's Romans 12.10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. And I just want to comment that the verse before says, let love be without dissimulation. In other words, not fake. I'll give you a minute to think about that. Now you're supposed to be thinking, not sleeping. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving, just like God. Thinking gets boring after a while, doesn't it? This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. How does that fit into your relationships? Are you doing that?
Oh, and the last one. First Peter one twenty two. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. I bought something online this week. I don't even remember what it was or what company it was. But at the bottom of the receipt was this quote from Mother Teresa. If we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. If we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Okay, let's look at verses 23 and 24 here in Matthew 5. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. One of the easy things that can come to mind when you read this is, oh yeah, that has to do with communion. Maybe so. But I think it has to do with our everyday worship of God as well. Sunday mornings, but my personal worship with God. I don't know what your experience is, but I think I have felt the most conviction in my spirit as to what I need to do in my relationship with others in my private devotional time. Sometimes it happens in public worship. Let me just read it again. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, if you come to worship God, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. also want to look briefly at verses, the last two of the ye have heard statements. Verses 38 and following, ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, resist not evil. How does that apply in the brotherhood? 
I believe that it applies to the idea of being a part of God's kingdom and not a part of the kingdom of this world, so to speak. And we heard a lot about that very effectively presented last Sunday. And I think it also reminds us that vengeance is not our job. That's God's job. I want to read from Romans 12, 17 to 19. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Dearly beloved, I'm sorry, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Do we need to apply that to our brotherhood relationships? Hopefully we're not thinking about, you know, how can I in a, in a really small way get back at my brother? First Peter 3.9 says, Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. And I'd just like to read that from the Living Bible. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't snap back at those who say unkind things about you. Instead, pray for God's help for them, for we are to be kind to others, and God will bless us for it. And looking at verses 43 and 44 in Matthew 5, about thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Notice that we're talking about relationships in many categories, or in several categories. And it's the inner circle that maybe is the hardest. But I think we also need to think about our attitudes toward others. You know, are we racist are we ageist are we gender biased how do those things work in our lives what's our attitude 
I want to conclude with a statement and a question about that statement, a question you can ponder and let me know as you leave the auditorium. Now, don't cheat and go out the front door, okay? I want to remind us that we are all, all people are created in God's image and are valued by God. We have such a selfish nature that our natural tendency is to think that I and my circle of friends are more special to God than those people I don't know or the people that don't value what I value or don't think like I do and don't agree with me. Maybe you're different than me, but I have this tendency to think that God's just more interested in me and my ideas. So now the question about that statement. Is it really our selfish nature that makes us feel more important than others? Or is it because God loves us with a perfect love and perfect love makes you feel valued? Does perfect love make you feel valued? I think it does. So, how are you getting along with others? You're not to kill, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause, there's also judgment. Kneel with me in prayer.